Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Clippers podcast. I'm your host, DJ Foster. For tonight's show, we're going to recap the Clippers' 119-105 win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's the second night of a road back-to-back. These are kind of scheduled losses that you can look at. Minnesota is, you know, a tough, young, athletic team, the kind of team who can gear up for a game like this and give the Clippers some problems on a road back-to-back, but it didn't happen. Clips pull away, 119-105. We're going to talk about that. If you haven't noticed, I'm going solo tonight. No Andrew Hahn, no Jordan Heimer, but it's okay because I have a lot that I want to talk about. Uh, we're going to do a little five-on-five session where we go five topics in five minutes. We're going to rattle through that, give you all the Clippers updates and news you need heading into the rest of your week. Uh, Clippers, another great win. Before we get to that, let's give you a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review uh itunes stitcher whatever it is however you're listening to this podcast um drop us a little five stars two thumbs up smiley face whatever it is we really appreciate your reviews your ratings helps get the podcast out there a little bit more we are growing big time i think part of it is because the clippers are the best team in the nba you're getting some people getting on board finding out about the podcast thank you guys for those of you who have already rated and reviewed the show if you haven't already, please do so. Help me out um, and tell a friend. If you got a Clippers fan that you talk to, you go to games with, you text with, whatever, let them know about the podcast. And thank you guys that are showing support on Twitter and other social media outlets. It's really awesome, man. I, f- I feel the love. And it's, uh, it's a fun team to talk about right now. Clippers, best record in the NBA. First 10 games of the season. Best record of the NBA, I think we can start to throw away a lot of the small sample size disclaimers. Uh, Ten games is a pretty healthy chunk of the year, and the Clippers look fantastic. Um, So again, thank you guys for all the ratings, the reviews. Uh, Let's get to five and five. Okay, we've got five minutes on the clock, and away we go. Blake Griffin and Carl Anthony Towns. This was the matchup we were all kind of looking forward to, looking ahead to this game. Um, and it lived up to the hype. I saw a lot of stuff this offseason kind of ranking Carl Anthony Towns as the best power forward in the league and had him above Blake Griffin in these top 100 player ratings from different sites. And part of me wants to think, and maybe I'm just looking too much into a narrative and trying to make one where there isn't, part of me wants to think that Blake wanted to send a message uh, to a young guy coming in the league that, Hey, you know, I'm still the best power forward in the NBA. There were a couple moments tonight where Blake made things a little extra chippy. 
Um, he had one, one possession where Carl Anthony Towns got called for, I think, a travel or something like that. And he held on to the ball, and Blake was swiping at it to get it from him to take it out of bounds. Just little stuff like that. Blake's big kind of fake Euro step move in transition and dunk on Cat. And the barking afterwards was, to me, a moment where it was just Blake saying, look, I'm the best power forward in the NBA. You've got to earn it if you come into the, come into the league and try and take my spot. Um, I loved it. Blake won this matchup. It was close. Cat played really well as well. Uh, but this W goes to Blake. Next topic, Andrew Wiggins. I've been wanting to talk about Andrew Wiggins for a while. Uh, I just don't think he's a very good basketball player right now. And I realize that may be a little hot for some people. 25 points per 36 minutes for Andrew Wiggins this year. He's shooting something like 63% from the three-point line. His stats have been great. You could probably describe him safely as like DeMar DeRozan with a three-point shot. And you're like, oh yeah, that player is really, really good. But there's something missing with Wiggins. And I don't know if it's just like a general basketball IQ thing because he's 21. He does not see the floor at all. He's one of the worst passing players that gets the ball as much as he does that I've seen in a long time. Um, And he works himself into tougher shots for no reason. He'll get spoon-fed this beautiful look, and instead of taking it, he'll take two dribbles into a contested, tough, like, fadeaway shot. Doesn't make much sense to me. Luke did an awesome job on him tonight. His length really bothered him, and... Really, he kind of trapped him into making some terrible decisions. Uh, 22 points on 24 shots for Wiggins. I think if you want to start kind of looking at what's wrong with the Wolves, and I talked about all summer about how this would start happening, uh, start with Wiggins because I don't think he's necessarily good for the basketball chemistry of that team right now. Just not as good of a player as people are making him out to be. Uh, J.J. Redick, I want to talk about him for a little bit. Man, he is such an important part of this offense, especially on nights when everyone's legs aren't going to be there and there's some fatigue setting in. Um, JJ's like constant movement, the way that he works off screens, the way that he can get himself open just by moving around the court and running off of people and getting these dribble handoffs. Um, it lets everyone rest, and not just physically, but mentally. Like, the Clippers can run these sets where it's basically all J.J. running sideline to sideline, just wearing his man out, waiting to come off the screen and get open, and it's sort of a break for everyone else. Um, I don't think we give J.J. enough credit for his cardio level. He's one of the most in-shape players in the league, and on a night like tonight, when you see guys start to get winded a little bit and get a little tired, J.J. just keeps chugging along. Um, Big night for him. Statistically, maybe it wasn't his best night of the season, um, but I think by far this was the best that, that I've seen him play so far this year. Whew, one minute left. Two more topics. Chris Paul. I just want to point out one little possession that I thought was so perfect of what Chris Paul is becoming. He had Zach Levine in an isolation situation. Zach is faster, bigger, more athletic, stronger, all of these things. Chris Paul lures him into this playing tough, aggressive defense. Step back, show the ball. Zach Levine goes flying in the air to block a shot that never happens. And Chris draws a foul and gets two free throws. It's just so perfect. It's so indicative of what Chris Paul has kind of become over his career. He's such a cagey veteran, and it's fun to watch on a nightly basis him take advantage of these younger, more athletic players. 20 seconds left. No froyo for you. 
DeAndre Jordan, there was a promotion the T-Wolves had. If a player missed two free throws, two consecutive free throws in the fourth quarter, the whole crowd would get free Froyo. DeAndre Jordan, with the clutch performance to deny fans Froyo, 10 for 16 from the free throw line. And that's it. Five minutes are up. Man, the Froyo stuff was hilarious. It became this like running subplot throughout the game. And Mike Smith and Ralph were really hilarious talking about it. Um, maybe we just need to have like something like that for DeAndre every game. He like channeled an angry part of himself, and it like led to this weird confidence where he looked kind of like happy to be going to the free throw line. Where usually it looks like he's walking to you know like the gallows. Uh, but tonight, I think he really enjoyed that he got to stick it to a home crowd that was talking to him about his free throws and deny thousands of people free Froyo. I love that. That's like the most villain thing ever. Like, Blake Griffin was taking so much joy in watching DeAndre hit free throws, and they were just barking constantly uh, after made free throws about no free no froyo for you and no bleeping yogurt for you. Uh, <laughs> I just love it. I love it. If you can't take joy in how much the Clippers are embracing their role as villains of the NBA, uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's the NWO. I know I've said it before. The Clippers are the NWO of the NBA. It's fun to root for the bad guy. No froyo for you. DeAndre, 10 for 16 from the free throw line. That's like, you couldn't ask for anything more from DeAndre. The efficiency tonight, because of all the free throw attempts, Clippers went to the line 37 times. Um, Chris Paul, 19 points on 7 shots. DeAndre Jordan, 18 points on 6 shots. Starting unit was incredible tonight. Lucas Shard and Bob Mute. Andrew's going to be mad at me for talking about him so much. When uh, he's not here. <laughs> he was excellent, man. Totally dominated the the matchup with Wiggins. If you came into this game and said, okay, Wiggins is going to get 22 points on 24 shots, but Luke is going to go 6 for 8 with 15 points, you'd think, oh, yeah, Clippers easily win. And although it wasn't necessarily easy because the bench really didn't have it tonight, um, the starters, man, that's why they get paid the big bucks. They they dominated against Minnesota's starters. Plus 27 for Blake. Plus 23 for DeAndre. Plus 22 for Luke. And the starting unit, we, we talked a couple shows ago about kind of their plus net rating for the season. This is another game where it's going to send that through the roof. This is the best starting unit. This is the best any five-man unit right now, I believe, in basketball. I haven't checked that. I need to double check that. But I think if they're still hovering around plus 22 or plus 24 points net rating like they were before the Thunder game, and with this game tonight, they should stick around that mark. Best five-man unit in basketball. Who would have thunk it? Uh, I guess I kind of might have thunk it. I think I get partial credit. I was a believer. I believed. Maybe I didn't believe so much in Luke. I believed in the other four quite a bit. Uh, I did not see them being 9-1. and one. And that kind of leads us into the one big thing that I want to talk about tonight. Clippers are 9-1, best record in the NBA, best team in the NBA right now. And I think it's time, and we probably don't do this enough, 
think it's time to give Doc Rivers some credit. There's a there's a tendency for people like myself in positions where they're analyzing the team and trying to stay somewhat objective. Um, where when things go wrong, it's it's kind of automatically the coach's fault, and it's it's not just an analyst or a fan thing. It's a management. It's a team management and ownership. It's just when things go bad, you look at the coach and say, all right, what's going on? He's kind of the first guy to take the blame. He's the first fall guy. And with Doc, having so much say in personnel decisions as well as being the head coach, anytime anything doesn't go right, it all kind of turns into Doc's fault. And... I'm not saying that the criticisms that I've had or that others have had of Doc aren't valid. Um, But I do think when things are going right and the Clippers are playing extremely well, that it's silly not to give Doc credit for what he's doing. Um, And that's especially true this year. The way that the Clippers have bought in to becoming this defensive team with that being their identity and to become these villains that play every night and just want to rip your throat out. You have to give Doc credit for having these guys be up for every game. We haven't seen the Clippers come out and not play with energy and effort yet this season. And some fans will, oh yeah, well uh, that's, that's their job. They should play hard all 82 games. It doesn't work like that. Mentally, it's just hard to fire yourself up for every single game. And here we are, 10 games through the season. The Clippers have been engaged and checked in for all 10 games. Maybe you don't think that's a big deal. But for me, on a veteran team, on a team that knows they're going to the playoffs, to be this checked in and this motivated is an incredible sign that Doc Rivers is doing a fantastic job. You give a coach credit when his team defends, in my mind, especially in the NBA. Um, I think that's where coaches really make their money. Can they motivate? Can they do the things schematically that you need to do to have a great defense? That's where I think NBA coaches make their money. Clippers are the best defensive team in the league, and it's not even close. It's not even close right now. Clippers are the best defensive team in the NBA. So I think you have to give Doc credit. There's how could there's no way he could do a better job right now. And tonight, there was one moment, and again, I, I like to kind of focus on these little moments, the one play, the one, you know, the one little tweak. Um, because they can they make the difference over a season long, and it's just you get little glimpses in these little possessions into what a team is, what their identity is, what they want to be all about. Um, but there's one, there was one, put, one decision by Doc in this game where the Clippers came out in the third quarter and there was about nine minutes left. Minnesota was making a little run. Blake was gassed. Hands on knees. It's the second night of a back-to-back. They're running a screen for J.J., and Blake just sits there with his hands on his knees, doesn't even try and set the screen. He's gassed, and the Timberwolves come down and score, and even though they're just basically coming out of halftime, there's nine minutes left in the quarter, Doc burns a timeout. 
And I thought this was the best time out of the season so far. He goes and he just rips the referees. I don't even know what he was ripping them about. But just lays into them. He calls a timeout and just lays into the refs. And you can tell he's just upset and screaming. And the players are all kind of looking at him. And it hit me at that moment. Oh, Doc is Doc is getting them checked back in. Sometimes your energy comes from weird places. It can come from a crowd. It can come from the bench. And it can come from your coach, too. And I think people forget that. Doc, by going crazy on the refs and sticking up for his guys there, he, I mean, he, he is always riding the refs. But this was extra hard during a timeout. And it kind of getting them that break, that breather, and coming back in the huddle and being like, all right, guys, let's go. This is our push. Let's do it. Let's get them out of the game. It's, it's totally swung the game. Some other coaches would have let that go at nine and a half minutes and say, oh, they can't be tired. Just let them keep playing. They'll snap out of it. And there will be times where that's the right decision. Tonight, in a road back-to-back against a young team, that's going to thrive on seeing the ball go through the hoop and getting these runs and getting this momentum going. For Doc to stop it and get his guys a breather, it was just the best timeout that I've seen so far this season. Doc is making his money's worth, man. I tell you what. He's been great. That's it for tonight's show. Uh, We're going to wrap it up. We'll be back on uh, Monday. We'll go Monday through Friday next week. Remember, the Locked On Clippers podcast, as far as I know, is the only daily podcast for the Clippers out there, uh, Monday through Friday. There's a bunch of great Clippers podcasts out there, including the Clippers podcast from Andrew Hahn and Jordan Heimer, who frequently appear on the show. We're the only one that goes every day, though. I'm here. I'm grinding. Grinding out these wins. I'm mentally checked in, just like just like the Clippers under Doc. Um, again, the Clippers win this one, 119-105. They move to 9-1 on the season. Uh, We will be back on Monday. If you have questions for the show, tweet me at FoxSportsFoster. You can also email me at FosterDJ3 at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Take it easy.